Season 3, Episode 4 of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. Joining me this week, Rebecca Braddock from Portsmouth. Hello. And Greg Taylor from Brazil. Bonjour, good morning. Um, and I'm back in London um, after uh, last week's um, first ever Spurs podcast in Johannesburg, in case anyone's wondering. Right, okay, so um, we played Everton yesterday, I was at the game, um, and um, I, whilst I'm disappointed, like um, we all are, that we still haven't got got our first three points of the season, I wasn't too um, disheartened by the performance. Um, I thought that that we did okay. Um, I thought that Dyer was, was, had, a, had a really good game, I thought that... Um, the Tongan looked solid. I thought our back four, although Walker was a little bit iffy, um, were good, were solid. Toby had another good game. Larice, um, good to see Danny Rose back in the team. Um, but yeah, just disappointing. Obviously, we didn't get the results. Um, I thought second half we were we up the tempo a bit. We had a few spells in the second half where where. We created a few chances, and we, and we, we were lucky not to, to, to uh, sorry, unlucky rather, not to come away with with the three points. Um, is that an over optimistic analysis, or am I telling it as it was? Or um, you, Rebecca or Greg, are you about to tell me otherwise? What was your take on the game? Um, no, I really liked it. Actually, I thought it was better than we've played so far. Obviously, not to score is a little bit disappointing. Um, but, yeah, I think the team did well. I think Dia looked... Dia, sorry. Um, looked fantastic yesterday. We just... It was just another one of those games where the goalkeeper turns up and decides that this is the game. He's going to have a world-class game. I don't think there was a lot we could have done about that. I, 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 would, agree, I would agree with that. I mean... When I saw the lineup, I was a bit disappointed. I was hoping that Deli Ali was going to be in there, um, and as he proved later on, when he came on, it was like a breath of fresh air. He, we felt a bit more invigorated. I felt we, at the beginning, I felt we plodded a little bit, and I was a bit worried. But then we suddenly kind of realised, oh, hang on, we're a football team. We've got to play together. We've got to make an effort, and and they upped up the tempo, and it was much better. It was it was exciting. It's an exciting game. I think, um, I mean, because I saw part of the Man City Everton game, I wasn't surprised how good Everton were. And I, I, but I, I think after that initial start, I think we, we matched them. Mm. I think that there were lots of raised eyebrows at the beginning when Poch announced the uh, starting lineup and, well, sorry, when the starting lineup was was announced and. Um, 
but I thought Mason did really well um, in that. Oh yeah. In, in a more advanced role, and dare I say it, Greg, I thought he did a lot better than Lamella would have. <laughs> um, or for that matter, Ericsson on on recent form. Um, Mason was very direct, made a lot of clever runs, got into the box. Okay, the end fit product wasn't always there, but he looked live, lively. He obviously put Kane through as well in the first half. Um, looked very direct, looked very lively. I, I was impressed with that. Dis- yeah, disappointing that Ali didn't start, but, but again, when he came on in the second half, he was always looking to get in the box, looking forward, looking for the forward pass. Um, and... I don't think Eric Lamella, had he been on the pitch, um, obviously he, he was on the substitute bench, I don't think he would have had the same impact. I don't mind you saying that at all. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm going to say something that a lot of people would want to shoot me down for, is that Ericsson, I don't think he's the god that a lot of people think. Um, for me, he, the jury is kind of still out with, with Ericsson. I mean, he's great at, at those free kicks, but I don't know, there's just something about him. He's not the player that I thought he was, which is what is happening with Lamella. Lamella's not the player that everybody thought he was. And I, I, I totally agree with you. I think, um, not Rose, Mason yesterday, I think he, he played really well. If only his finishing was a little bit better. But it was really good to see him him uh, having a go, you know. I don't think we missed Ericsson at all yesterday. No. I, don't um... think, I certainly don't think he would have added anything. The thing with Ericsson, he's got a tendency to, to be quite very quiet during games, and then there'll be a moment of magic. Um, and you know, he did that a few times last season, whether that be a late goal or a free kick or whatever. Um, the trouble is, he's not he's not even doing that at the moment. Um, so it begs the question, you know, does he warrant a place in the starting lineup? Before the Leicester City game, um, there was talk of putting. Um, Lamella, some fans were suggesting you know, maybe Lamella's best position is in the middle instead of Ericsson and Ericsson maybe needs a wake-up call now as it was Ericsson has been injured he's, he, well, he's either injured or um, he's off <laughs> He's off. but um, let's assume he's, he's, he's injured so he lost his place in the team through, through injury um, I think he's going to be back I think in a fortnight from what I've heard um, and Lamella didn't really stake a claim, which is, you know, I, I, I would like to think that Lamella um, can show the potential, but I, I just, as I know it's, I know we've only played a few games this season, but I just feel that um, the writing's on the wall. I really do, and, and that might be a premature thing to say after a few games, but I'm just thinking how we can't afford to carry any passengers. And I would rather somebody come on that can make an impact, Alan Mason did or or, or Deli Ali, than than persevere with with Lamella. Who um, I think if an offer comes, you know, from a Juventus or whoever, then he's going. He's then absolutely he's, then going. He's going. I mean, I, I think he'll, I think he'll be gone in January, personally. Um, but I, I agree, Ericsson has looked. <sighs> Players are different. If you, if you, I don't know. Some players, some people compare Ericsson to Modric. I don't think Ericsson's um, a, a bluker and Modric. You could make a comparison with Rafa van der Vaart, but again, I don't think he's a van der Vaart. But both yeah. of those, both of those two players, could turn it on in a Spurs shirt. Yeah, 
in their own way. Yeah. I don't see that on a consistent consistent basis with with, with Ericsson. Um, you know, I, I've got no problems with a player being quiet for eighty odd minutes of the game and then you know stroke of genius or, and and a free kick or whatever. But he's not even doing that, so. You can't have him on the pitch just to do free kicks, surely. No, That's ridiculous. Not. And I'm not giving the guy a hard time, but you look at how um, Dyer and Mason were yesterday. They were running all over the place, the two of them, and I thought that worked really, really well. Toby, I thought to- Toby looked so- solid at the back. Um, and, yeah, for me, Eric Dyer, Eric Dyer was by um, man of the match. Um, and... Uh, I should just add that our fans, I don't know if this came across um, when you were watching it, Bex and Greg, um, our fans were amazing yesterday. Really, really vocal. Um, I couldn't, I could barely hear the Everton fans. Um, not because they weren't noisy or they weren't vocal, but because our fans were really, particularly in the park lane, were really vocal and drowned out um, any chance or any noise that the Everton fans were making. Um, it didn't come across that loud. Certainly, I've heard it when it's been oh. a lot louder mm. before. But again, that's the television. Is it? I could hear singing, but it was quite faint. Okay. Well, um, I'd say that compared to last season, um, I think last season for me, the high point at White Hart Lane was the Arsenal game, which was February. And after that, all the home matches that we had from that point onwards, it, they were always sort of not just in terms of football drab affairs, but the, the, the atmosphere was never as good. Um, I think Fiorentina was after the Arsenal game, and you, you were at that one, Bex, and, and that was OK. But generally, a lot of the league games last year were disappointing. Touchwood this year, both at Stoke, when we played them a fortnight ago, and um, and yesterday, the atmosphere was very good, um, certainly within the ground, um, which was nice to see. Um we're not. If you look at the table, I mean, we've got four points, so that's only one less than Chelsea. You've yeah. had a shocker yesterday. <laughs> I posted that one less than Chelsea and better goal difference. One less than Chelsea, <laughs> yeah, and and only three, only and only three points behind Arsenal um, in fifth place at the moment. So I, I declined to Facebook last night because I knew it would be full of the doom and gloom merchants and oh, what's all going wrong and it's all tragic and people that weren't willing to see anything good about the performance from yesterday because yesterday we weren't bad we didn't you know Everton barely had a shot really mm. though apart from the one that Walker gave them um lovely over the bar from Lloris but I don't think that Everton were outstanding I think we definitely played them off the park um, Harry Kane had a chance in the first half when he was through and goal. Yeah. Now, if that was last season, he would have scored. But paradoxically, um, last season, I think it's fair to say that um, for every, I don't know, nine out of ten chances like that that he would have scored, he probably would have missed one. The difference is last season, nobody would have been talking about the one that he missed. Um, now, yeah. unfortunately, you're already hearing the pundits this morning. I was watching Match of the Day um, this morning um, when it was repeated, and they were talking about Harry Kane going for a bad spell. I don't, I don't think he's going for a bad spell. Actually, I think he's doing all the right things. His confidence doesn't seem affected, which which is always important for a striker. Um, and I'm sure his goal will come. 
after the international break, and when it does, I, I can see an avalanche um, of goals out thereafter. Yeah, that sounded a bit familiar to the, um, don't worry, Soldado scored one, I'm sure the next one will start an avalanche. But they had a graphic yesterday on Sky saying the goals that he scored, he played 11 games before he got picked for the England senior team and scored 14. Oh, sorry, played in 11 games, scored 14, and then post his England game, played 11, scored two. Mm. So they were suggesting that there is something, it was around that England game that something went wrong. Because the back end of the season, he wasn't quite as good. So is this a continuation of whatever happened then? Possibly, but, you know, all strikers go through spells where, where for whatever reason, that they don't find back of a net um, yesterday his first touch um, wasn't great and it, and it made made him have to do more work and then um, he took the wrong decision it was almost as if he had too much time and he wasn't doing what he does instinctively like what, what any good striker does instinctively um, but well I'm I'm, I'm sure that with, with that one-on-one, I'm sure that everybody who watched it immediately <laughs> thought of Soldado. I thought of Soldado since I saw it. And when I saw the replay, I thought, why didn't he try and go round the keeper? Because the keeper was going to be right in his face and he was never going to get the ball past him. And even if he tried to go round him and fluffed it, it would have looked better. It would have been better, I think. I think there is a small confidence issue. I mean, I, I don't think he's panicking. I'm certainly not panicking. But I, I, I think, I mean, with strikers, it's their bread and butter. It's what they do. They score goals. And if they don't score goals for three or four games, it's got to offend them. Uh, offend them. <laughs> it's got to affect them in a little way, surely. I mean, I'm sure he'll get it back because he's, he's not going to dwell on it too much. And when he, gets, when he does get his, his goal, I mean, he got the ball in the net. It's just that he was offside, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And he took that one really well. So it, it will come. And I think that actually that offside goal might give him a bit more confidence because he'll know that he took it well. He got it in the net. It was just unfortunate that he moved a little too soon and he, he ended up offside. I think that the, the, the difference between Soldado and, and Kane is, is the body language. With Soldado, there was towards the end, there was almost an air of desperation. You know, and there were some sitters that he missed. I remember Burnley last year, and I think in the FA Cup replay. Um, for me, Keane's Keane, Kane's body language is. Um, you got my my problem now. Kane's body language is is it's good. That I, and he's still upbeat about it. He doesn't think, oh, you know, I'll never score again. Yeah, that's not there. Yesterday, that one-on-one was just enough to make you want to cry. But I think he'll be okay. Um, I mean, we've got Clinton Nishi and well, Clinton Nishi oh. and um, the Korean lad Son. Yeah. Um, now I don't know a great deal about either, to be honest. Less so Son, um, but what I, from what I understand, that you know, they both bring a lot of pace. Um, I don't think either of them are out of out, out and out strikers. I could be wrong about that. So they they would. If that's correct. They would play in a, you know, in a Chadley or a Lamella role in, in the free behind Kane. Um, but they offer pace. They offer some some goals. So that might help. A take some pressure off Kane, but B hopefully 
they would provide that bit of pace and ammunition as well for Kane. So we'll have and to see how that And provide him with a kick up the backside, because at the moment he's it. Mm. And he knows that. So if he if he does have someone there, somebody else pushing, maybe, then that might change his game. Uh, and that's that, that's an interesting point, because I'm, I'm just going to jump ahead to... We'll do obviously questions later, but I'm going to jump ahead to, to a question that Carol Hayward asked. Um, she said, it must be soul-destroying being a second striker with a formation we and most other teams have, so 4-2-3-1. Now, um, and particularly where, where, where you've just got one striker. So if we do get Berahino, who we've been linked with, and we shall remain to see in the next 48 hours whether that deal um, transpires, um, would, would Berahino um, be happy playing second fit fiddle? Um, what she doesn't say is, I'll add to that, is... You know, would is Kane's place in the starting lineup guaranteed? I don't think it is. I think we've got uh, we've got a lot of games to play. Mm-hmm. We're still it's the whole four competitions: League, FA, Europa as well, which is a massive competition. And why wouldn't you need? Why wouldn't you want that extra coverage? Yeah, I, I think it's the the very same fans. I'm not criticising anybody in particular but I often hear fans will say um, oh, but you know we can't get another striker because well they're not, they're not going to be they won't be happy playing, playing second second fiddle to Kane and we can't drop Kane well two things as you said there are lots of games and lots of competitions and there'll be injuries and suspensions and all of that but no player is bigger than, bigger than the team. And just because Kane had a good season last season, it doesn't follow that he's going to have a good season this. Um, and by the way, if we didn't buy a Berahino or, or, or a Son or a Nishir or whoever, um, the very same people that would complain about, oh, we don't need another striker or would they be happy paying second fiddle, would bemoan the fact that we don't have any cover when Harry Kane's injured, for example. Or the or the cover we have isn't adequate. So um, I think there's room in the team for Barahino, and and I think you're absolutely right, Bex. I think that um, with respect to Kane, that there's nothing wrong with with having a bit of competition and 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 him not being in a situation where he's resting on, on his laurels and assuming that he's the number one. I don't think he is resting on his laurels, but I do think a little bit of competition in training and also that seeing him on the bench maybe might just push him on a little bit. I could be yeah, I mean, we, wrong. I mean, we, we have we have Rose and uh, Davis and Walker and Trippier. And Trippier and Davis are kind of the ones to give Rose and Walker a push. And I don't think it would do any harm at all if Kane had someone as well. Yeah. About Berahino playing second fiddle, this is a, it's a bit tricky because the thing is that West Brom, he is the top dog. Well, he kind of was, but I mean, they already bought strikers to replace him and Rondon is doing quite well, whatever his name is. Um, he may be feeling a bit unsettled as well now. thing is, who says he's going to play second fiddle? All it takes... Yeah is that knock to Kane mm. and he's your man his, his name is going to be not maybe not first but you know at the top of the names that you put on the team sheet so I don't think that he would necessarily be second fiddle 
I don't know if professional footballers necessarily feel second fiddle anyway because they know the game, they know how it works. I mean, with Barcelona, I, I don't know who is kind of Messi's understudy, but he knows that Messi's better than him and he try whoever his understudy is, is obviously trying to to improve his game so that he gets more, more chance of replacing Messi. And Messi's an extreme example, okay. Yeah. He's the easiest one to choose. <laughs> but he's the easiest one to choose. <laughs> but he's the easiest one to choose because he's an obvious, you know, better than everybody kind of player. But the thing is, I, I think as long as you get somebody with the right mentality and and they want they want the welfare of the team in tandem with their welfare, um, then you're, you're okay. I mean, if we get Berahino, okay, he's not my first choice. Um, Who would be I, your first choice, Greg? Well, I think most people know that by now. I'm in the group anyway, but uh, that, that's showy. The lad at Marseille. Marseille. Yeah. Yeah. From what I've seen of him, I've, I've started watching games, not just YouTube clips. I've started watching games. I mean, he's he's fast, he's intelligent, he's he's kind of innovative. You know, he <laughs> tries things and they quite often come on. But I think he's decided to go to stay with Marseille for the, for this season anyway, because I think there were other Arsenal might have been interested in, in them as well or some other team. He reminds me of Drogba. I don't know if that's a lazy thing to say because Drogba also played for Marseille, but. Um... I don't know if, if if you agree with that. Um, he's, I don't think he's, he's quite the presence that Drogba is. I mean, Drogba and Lukaku are obvious comparisons, although he didn't, he didn't do that much yesterday. But um, I think Bashui, he's, he's got... I, I like players who have unpredictability, that you can't predict what they're going to do. And he has that. I mean, to the, the game last week, Two goals, completely different style of goals, two assists. Um, and he's got the attitude that we need. He's got somebody who doesn't think he's going to depose Harry Kane straight away. He's, he's, he's not. He wants to do better himself. He wants to be number one, but he knows he's not just going to fall into it. And the thing is that if you get a top dog from another team, they're going to think, well, why aren't I number one here? Yeah, and I think that's the danger of getting somebody from internally within the Premier League and another Premiership, yeah, from another Premiership club. One thing about Berahino, though, he can play um, in behind Kane. And for that matter, Kane can also play in the three, actually, he's done that in the past with Spurs, um, behind, behind the target man, whether that be Berahino or somebody else. So, um, I. I can envisage a situation where Kane and if we do, if we sign Berahino, that they play together and they actually interchange within within the game, which which is no bad thing. Hmm. Okay. Well. Yep. I can see that Berahino would be a great addition, but not for that much money. Hmm. I think yeah, he's staying at West Brom. I absolutely think he's staying. <laughs> So, in a nutshell, 48 hours to go. Bex, you think he's going to stay? Greg? Oh, he's going to stay at West Brom. But not necessarily through his choice. Oh, definitely not through his choice. But I don't think Levy wants to pay over the top for him. But it doesn't matter yes, he, because he the has West Brom price. chairman has already said he's not selling him. I and think you'd have to come in with a silly offer for him, you know, like like we we sold Bale because we had a silly offer for him, 
We didn't want to sell him. We could have said, no, he's staying. But silly money was, was waved in our faces. If we waved silly money in front of West Brom's faces, I'm sure, I'm sure the, 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 the chairman would think, OK, yeah, OK, we'll sell him. But Levy will not waive silly money. Okay. About that. G- given given what you've both just said, do you think we will be back in for him in the January window? No. No. I think we. I I still think we're going to get. I know this is treading on the toes of another question later on, but I, I think we will get a striker in before the deadline. Mm, but just not Barahino. Just not Barahino. He's gone too far with Berahino now. Let him go. Let the whole thing just don't worry about it. All the West Brom chairman has done has made himself look a complete idiot. So just leave it. Walk away from the whole situation. If you go back, you really do look desperate. Okay. Well, I quite like the idea. I'm not a big fan of the January transfer window because I've said this before. The best players aren't available because clubs don't want to sell them either there fighting relegation or, or they're pushing European place or, or, or whatever or they're involved in European competition so so they're ineligible um, and they always tend to be overpriced in January um, however if Berahino doesn't if we can't get him in this window um, I don't know what credible future he's got at West Brom because he's going to be quite pissed off um, that he hasn't got his move away and if the opportunity becomes available in January and providing we we, requ- we require him, and who knows, by then Kane and Son and Niji might be firing on the cylinders. I would quite like the idea of um, of making a bid then, um, but see how it goes. But certainly for the moment, I think Levy's done all that he can do, and um, the West Brom chairman is is trying to fleece. He's the new more. Levy. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody's there's only one Daniel Levy. Um, whatever you think of him there is only one Daniel Levy right um, we've got Sunderland um, two weeks today uh, before I do Elliot's forward line um, we've had a question from Sam Moore who asked will the impending international break be a blessing in disguise given our slow start so obviously no no football Premier League football for two weeks because of that so it's not um, as if we're interrupting you know we've done really well we're, we're not in the position that, say, Leicester are, where yeah. we've done really well and all our players are then about to vanish off to the four corners only to come back and find that they've forgotten how to play as a team. Yeah. Yeah, it might help us a lot. How many of our players will actually be be involved in internationals? Do we know? I mean, mm. I know I know we're, we're, we're like a top six team and pretty much all of our squad are internationals. But well, I, would, I would have thought for Tongan... Um... Lloris... Larice, Toby, Toby, Dembele, under twenty ones, Chadley, Walker, quite a few. Bentaleb. Um, the thing is, if if, if we get a, if we get a striker, if we do get a striker before the end of the window, and if he isn't involved in an international, it gives him a chance to, to kind of get to know the club and that, doesn't it? And maybe get to know some people. I mean, if if we, I know some people don't want him, but if we get Alessandro Pato. He's not in the Brazilian team at the moment, so he won't be playing internationals. And it will give him an opportunity to well, maybe down, not find bed in with feet. the team as such, but bed in with the location, etc., and bed in with the with the atmosphere of the, of the, of the club. Mm. What 
one thing that I, I, Sam's question that he raised is a good one, and I thought about this last week. I, mean, I mentioned it on the pods. Now, if we had lost yesterday, there and then the international break would have come. That's <laughs> awful because you you want to bounce back straight after a defeat. Yeah. If we'd won, we'd be like, oh, that's great. You know, we've got the three points, and but then we wouldn't be able to carry that through because of the international break. We just we drew nil nil. We played well, but we drew nil nil. So in a sense, there isn't anything, any momentum to carry through. But at the same time, we're not in a situation where we're desperate to bounce back straight after a result. So I think perversely, the result probably would have, was the best that it could have been from that respect. Respect um, with the international break around the corner. Um, it doesn't hurt but, us in quite the same way, does it? Yeah, As if we but, were but, flying. Potentially, because that's when everybody gets really down. You know, well, yeah. look at what we've achieved, and everybody's playing well, and then they're all going to go and come back, and it's not going to be the same. Whereas now there's that, oh, well, maybe this is exactly what we need. Hmm. Okay, certainly to that Sunderland game. Um, as ever, here is Elliot Line with the forward line. This is the forward line on the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast with me, Elliot Line, looking forward to the game against Sunderland on September 13th. Last season we played this fixture on the exact same date, September 13th. We drew the game 2-2, going ahead twice through Chadley and Eriksson before being pegged back twice, with the final equaliser being a Harry Kane own goal. We beat them 2-1 in the return fixture later in the season. The last time Sunderland beat us in the Premier League was back in 2010. I rate the likelihood of us scoring as 78%, and of us scoring more than once as 40%, and of us keeping a clean sheet as 46%. The most likely scoreline is a 1-0 Spurs win, followed by a 1-1 draw, a 2-0 win, and a 2-1 win. Overall, I have 53% for a Spurs win, 26% for a draw, and 21% for a Sunderland win. This has been the forward line with Elliot Lyons. Come on, you spare. Right, welcome back to the second half of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. Thank you, Elliot, as ever, for the forward line. Right, so turning to that game, Sunderland, um, and um, it's the return of Kabul, or uh, assuming if, he, if he's playing, or, or is he injured? Um, I don't know. Um, uh, I think he was injured. he's injured at the moment, and everybody will be astonished to hear that, I'm sure. Well, there's a surprise. Was, right. he, was he injured yesterday? Because he played yesterday, didn't he? Well, that's why. Because he's played three mm. whole games. Um, <laughs> four, sorry. So that's why he's injured. Um, I something. I heard something. Somebody say he was injured. Uh, is he their skipper? No idea. Don't know. I don't, fo- I don't follow Sunderland that closely. <laughs> right, Alex. so... Uh, I was at, uh, yesterday at the Everton game, um, I was standing next to a guy called Joss um, and um, we were talking about Sunderland and the comment I made was um, well you know Sunderland are quite poor, they're at the bottom of the table and they need three points and guess who they've got next and Joss said yeah, send Dr Tottenham so um, they're going to get a result against us aren't they? No No, Loris is going to stop them, they're going to try hard to get a result but Loris is going to stop them. And hopefully, and we do appear to have a better back four now. Hmm. So, I mean, hopefully that will help. 
It's away from home, and we tend to do certainly last season. We tend to do better away from home. Yeah. Yep. Um, actually, recent seasons, I think even even as far back as when AVB was manager, we 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 tend to do really well away from home. Um, okay, quick prediction then. If I go round, starting with you, Greg. Um, I I don't think they're going to score. Actually, I'm going to say one nil to us. A narrow win, but a win. Thanks. Two nil to us. Um, they've got Jermaine Defoe, of course, in their lineup. Who he won't score against us. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go for t- yeah. 2 0 as well. well two nil. <laughs> two nil. Two nil as well. Um, right before we do questions. Um, so earlier this week, um, a lady called Adele Mitchell. Um, I've forgotten her Twitter handle. Apologies. Um, she got in touch with um, Wendy from the Fighting Cop podcast, and was she was looking to. Um, looking for some coverage on um, Spurs ladies to be included in the Fighting Cop, Cop podcast. Now, obviously, Wendy's got a lot on his plate and he does a really good good job. Um, if anyone's listened to the Fighting Cop podcast, um, and I'm sure a few of our listeners have, uh, Wendy does a really good job covering the, the, the youth players. Um, so he, he didn't have the time to do that, but he suggested one of the other podcasts and he, in fact, suggested our podcast and whether we, we would be interested. So that, that's very nice of Wendy to... Um, point Adele to, to us um, and I think it's a really good idea um, so um, for the first time and hopefully not for, not for the last time um, and excuse the, fact, the, the embryonic nature of this but um, Bex you've been looking at the Spurs ladies um, how have they been faring? Um, they've been doing okay actually and this isn't intended as a formal match report I'm not going to be the new Bianca Westwood or whatever her name is on Sky she um, is no I'm not um, <laughs> I couldn't wear that much makeup and stand up right anyway um, but... <laughs> <laughs> so on the back of the fact that the England ladies did so well on the Women's World Cup I think this is quite nice to pick up our own team and look at the girls and see how they've been behaving so I know they moved stadiums over the summer so they're now playing at somewhere in uh, that I forget where they are actually, but I know they moved. How gash am I? Um, so we lost on Sunday, um, playing in the FA Women's Women's Premier League South. We lost against Basildon, which is quite disappointing because they've just been promoted. Um, two of our players got sent off, so it wasn't that great. Uh, but still, to only lose one nil when you've got two players sent off is a lot better than some teams managed. Um, so it was a bit of a not a great game as it could have been um our next game is today um and they play at home they're playing at chessant and uh they play against lewis in the league cup so we'll i'll go away and research that right now and we'll see how they're getting on right now if we can Um, and i believe i'm just looking at this i believe we've scored um, a goal um, in the first quarter quarter of an hour. In fact, um, two one up, I believe. Okay, you carry on talking, and I'll research this. That I'm really badly prepped at this. My apologies. I will. I shall do better. We, we did say it was embry- embryonic, uh, Adele, <laughs> but I, I hope that um, you know if, if anybody's it. I, I think the, the, the idea is very good, um, and if anybody wants to contribute to that, to, who's listening to the podcast, particularly any ladies, um, if anybody wants to contribute to that, and um, that that'd be great. Uh, we, we, I would like to make it a regular feature. Um, 
it's not something the other podcasts um, cover, and that's not meant as a slur on, on anybody else, but um, you know, it, it would be good for us to give it some, some, some coverage. Right, okay, we've got questions. Um, so if I begin with, we've had a question from the Spurs poet, Davy Elder, who asks, um, who misses out if you play Sun and Nishi, and does this mean at the end of the Berry Hino links? Well, we've kind of done the Berahino thing, haven't we? Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess it depends on how they play. I guess it depends on what Poch decides to do. Will he change the formation to adjust for these two young players? I, th- I think maybe Ch- well, possibly Chadley and, and Lamella. Um, I mean, I like Lamella, but I, I'd rather keep Chadley on than Lamella at the moment. Um the thing is that Chadley's got this habit of scoring and and uh, giving assists, whereas Lamella's got habits of giving assists and not scoring. But the thing is that other teams they know who Chadley and Lamella are. They don't know who Son and and G or uh, Clint. I'll call him Clint. It's easier. <laughs> who Son and, and 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 Clint are. So you know, um, I, I think anything that anything that will give a bit of a surprise factor against the other teams is good. I, I, th- I think they both need to be given a given a, a, a good chance. So I would probably think Chadley and Lamella. I mean, I don't mind I don't mind pulling Ericsson out unless he really starts picking up his form again. But I know a lot of people will disagree with that. Mm. You've also got to bear in mind that, that Lennon, you know, he, he's not... Well, he's still, he's still technically a Spurs player, but I don't think he's got a squad number. Um, then you've got Townsend, who hasn't featured. So... There will be opportunities. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think ahead of those players, um, and it, it much will depend on on how both of them play. If if they if they're given given an opportunity and they take it with both hands, then great. If they don't, then Chadley. Let's just say if it was Chadley, for instance, or Lamella, whoever would Ericsson even would would be able to hold on to their place in the team. Or it might even be the other way around that the players that you've just mentioned have got that bit of competition, they start to pull their finger out and perform on a regular yeah. basis. Um, much in the same way that, for instance, Rose did last season when, when we got Davis. Um, okay, moving along, we've got a few questions on Twitter. So, um, Chris Iron1955 asks, why do we leave it late to do some of our transfer business? I don't know that we did leave it late. Agreed. I think it's it's variables. Variables cause the problems. I mean, I, I think we identify our targets, but then other things get in the way, like the club don't want to sell. We we don't want to pay what the club wants. The player might not want to move. The player might want to move. There's so many variables. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always saying this. It's not like going to the shop and saying, I'd like a Berahino, please. I'd like a Rooney, please. Oh, we're out of stock. We'll get one out of the back. It's, it's not like that. That, that Pete... There's people involved and there's businesses involved. These clubs are businesses. So they're not just, it's not Sabutio, you know, they're, they're, they're going to think of their shareholders, etc., etc. They're going to think of strategy that they've already decided on. It's not just a case of going, people complain, oh, Tottenham aren't buying this player, not buying that player. Why aren't they getting their targets? Well, it's because their targets are involved, you know? Mm. So I don't think we do leave it too late. I just think that some transfers are more awkward than others. And, yeah. and compare, comparing it to other clubs, um, you know, I'm sure that 
Man City and Chelsea and United will still be trying to do business until the very last minute of the, of, of the transfer window. Um, you could argue that we've left it late in so far as it would have been nice to have signed the, some of these players before the season actually started and you know allowed them a few weeks a bit like say Trippier and and Alvaro you know they were they did they had a proper pre-season with us but then same is true of a lot of the other clubs i mean who how many clubs can actually say right we've, we've signed all our players in june july and that's it we've got all our players and we're off on pre-season um so i don't think it's any later than any of the other clubs and as you say um, yeah. greg there are lots of variables that, that, that come into it it's not easy I, do, I think the perception is there that because we've done it before, the big one being Van der Vaart. So that's that must be the way we always do it, don't we? Yeah, always Van der Vaart just fell into our laps, didn't he? We weren't a- expecting absolutely. that. But people don't see it like that, and a lot of fans, disappointingly, will assume that you know, and that's fueled by Sky Sports and their transfer deadline day yeah. stuff. It's the whole well, we're expecting something now. And I don't know if that is actually the case. I don't know if we really are or if Sky is telling us we should be expecting something late. And I think it's unfair to blame the club for that. Mm. I think personally, I think the window should be scrapped altogether. Well, or or at least closed on on the 1st of August. It's ridiculous to have the window still open when the games are playing. Because it is unsettling. The Berahino thing, poor lad, you know, it must be nice. It's always nice to be wanted. But the way in which this has been played out in the media, it must be soul-destroying for him. How is he supposed to settle down and play a game? Yeah. I mean, the, the old system wasn't broke, so, you know, why fix it if it's not broke? Um, I remember um, United signing Eric Cantona in 92. I think it was in October and November. And he was pivot, proved to be pivotal, but... That wouldn't that wouldn't be possible today. No. Um, I, d- I it should definitely um, have stopped. Right. Um, Ladies are winning three one. By the way, at half time. Oh, excellent. Good. Doing my research now. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another question on Twitter: eighty underscore Spurs. I like this question. If you could name the stands at the new stadium after four people, who would they be? So Bill Nick is a definite. Yeah. John White. Danny Blanchflower. Yep. Stevie Perryman. So Bill Nick. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> Mine are different. Mine are different. <laughs> Go on then. I've got Bill Nick, of course. I think everybody's going to have Bill Nick. Yeah. I've got uh, Roger Lloyd Pack. They'd be the, that'd be the trigger stand. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Jimmy Greaves, as in the Greavesy stand. Yeah. And I thought maybe Walter Tull. Ooh, good Ooh, shout. that's a very good, yeah. Yeah. There is that, another thing that I thought of as well. I'd also have um, Saul Campbell's face printed on the inside of the toilet bowls. <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, but quite, I, off, quite off-putting as well. I wouldn't have him anywhere <laughs> near um, my beloved place. But, you know, that's just me. Hmm. Um, I think... Oh God, it's, a, it's a difficult one because I, yeah, the, the first names that came in my mind were Bill Nick, Blanche Flower, and then I would have said probably Perriman, 
Mabbott, um, maybe a little bit too soon, but yeah, Perriman. Um, But actually, I'd probably say Arthur Rowe and Keith Birkinshaw. Yeah, Arthur Rowe, Keith Birkinshaw, Bill Nick, and Danny Blanchflower. Okay. Maybe we could have eight stands. (laughs) Well, I, I know the way they've got the blocks numbered at the lane at the moment, but our history does go back quite a way. As you you know, you just talking about Walter Toll. That's not a recent thing, um, and I wonder how many people will have to go away and Google him now. Mm. Um, but so maybe they could call the the blocks as well, which gives a lot more scope after people rather than numbers. Yeah, no, that's good. That's a good shout. And then you know, if you if you go into the whole um, sort of business of maybe having a statue outside, you know, maybe it's more fitting if you if you if you want to incorporate more names from from our glorious past. Maybe it's better to have I don't know a Danny Blanchflower statue, and then you know, and then like I, I like I like the idea of a, a Walter Tull stand. Mm. Um, that was good. Um, right. So Kevin Kirk, question here from Kevin. Kevin asks. What's the fear of using the old, good old, trusted 442 formation, which has been so effective and entertaining? He goes on to add, um, do Dyer and Mason look a better defensive midfield pairing than Mason and Bentelab? And why the need to to have two defensive midfield, midfielders? Would a 4-1-4-1 or a 4-1-3-2 formation not work better? Can't play four four two. You've only got one bloody striker. True. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of shoots that down at the moment. Sorry, Kev. Um, <laughs> and nobody plays four four two. I sometimes like. Do you not find that sometimes certain formations are in fashion? And there used to be a time back in the nineties where a lot of teams were, certainly in the Premier League, were playing with three at the back. I remember Villa playing with three at the back, Liverpool, and then then it went back to four four two. And now suddenly it's all um, four two three one. I, don't, I don't, can't think of a team that plays four four two. I think the fear is of looking old fashioned as well. Yeah, but uh, I think the game or, has changed. Different. Also. Yeah. But the thing is that that you have four four two three one, and everybody jumps on the on the bandwagon. I mean, what's wrong with going back to the original two three five? An outside right, an inside right, and <laughs> things like that, you know. <laughs> That's all we there could... was when I grew up. <laughs> or we could go back to the good old days, the, f- the summer Park. of ni- summer of '94, when when Aussie was manager. Oh lord! The famous famous five. Yeah, but no, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it. Football's like anything else. It's a fashion, isn't it? And the fashion at the moment is not to play four four two. I think. Yeah, it seems to be either four two three one or variations like four three three. Um, I so I think that quite often fans, I don't know to what degree managers and people in football, but certainly fans, we, we can become a bit preoccupied with formations, and we suddenly hark back to oh, isn't it great playing you know four four two, and why don't we play with wingers and so forth? But the reality is. You could play four four two, and you could play a rigid four four two, and you'd be found out. You could play 
4231 which which seems to be the, the the fashionable formation at the moment and you could play that with rigid you know rigid way and and, and the movement um getting the ball forwards the passing could be slower sometimes frustratingly it it, it, it is with us and it, it, for me whatever formation you choose what's important is you've got the personnel and that people are fluid and they're not rigid and, yep. and you're mo- moving the ball around quickly um, and are actually foundation, foundations, formations perhaps outdated in their own right? Arguably, because when you're going forwards, um, I don't think it matters. I think it's more how you shape when you when you lose the ball, really. And it's how you defend. It's how. You, it's. I still don't think it's a formation. It's just how your players play. Yeah. And yeah. are we? Do we go out and buy players to fit into a particular formation, or do you go out and buy players because you like the look of them? I think it's. I don't know. I suppose some some managers are preoccupied with with formations. Yeah. Um, Arrigo Sacchi, when he was manager of Italy in in the early nineties and before that Milan. Um, he tended to believe in the system and the formation and the players had to fit the system and sometimes some of those players didn't and they were very much square pegs and round holes um, so it's completely different I think, I think the more astute managers even if they believe in particular formations um, and uh, whatever stubborn pickhead is about playing a certain way they'll at least tend to pick the players or purchase the players that fit that formation rather than trying to put square pegs and round holes. Um, to address the other part of this question about Dyer and Mason, um, whether they're a bit better defensive pairing than Mason and Bentlab. Now, Mason, as we said, played further forward yesterday. Eric Dyer, who, um, you know, up until last week, I, I was saying, well, you know, he's, he's done a good job, uh, but long term, he's not a solution. On on the basis of yesterday's performance, I know it's just a one performance. I don't want to get carried away. If he continues in the same um, vein as he did yesterday, I don't see any reason why he couldn't establish himself as a defensive midfield player. Much much in the same way that, for instance, um, earlier in his career, Ledley King, he could play both positions, both centre back and and central midfield. I think you're right. I think Dyer had a great day. Yeah great game yesterday um, and played really well so why not keep it it's the whole if it's not broken why change it so we'll see I think it depends if he if he tries it again and he has a bad day then maybe Potts will change his mind um, but equally next time he might be better than he was yesterday he put in some awesome tackles he was really quite up for the game I thought yesterday it was good to watch him he's He's got passion. He's got passion. He's got a bit of aggression. And with Dyra Mason, you've got two players with a bit of aggression. Last week, when he took the he took the yellow for us, Dyer took the yellow for us without yeah. even thinking about it. He just went in and took took out the the the, uh, the opponent player. Um, and I don't know that Bentaleb would have done that. Dyer Dyer plays for the club. He hasn't been with us all that long, but he plays for the club. Mm-hmm. And you need players, especially in that in that kind of area, you need players with a bit of aggression. I mean, when there's a, if it looks like looks like there's a scrap about to start, he's always over there. You know, he. I think people talk about Bentele maybe being a captain in the future. Maybe Dyer. 
when he's got a bit more mature and knows when to show the aggression and when to rein it in a bit. Just on a couple of things there. Just um, you mentioned his, his tackle and the character. So yesterday, I, I liked the fact that, particularly in the second half, and it was really Dyer leading the way. But Dyer was quite aggressive, and and there was a bit of needle going on um, in that match, quite a lot, in fact, between our players and and, and their mm-hmm. players. Um, but I like the fact that Dyer, but plus everybody else, was showing a lot of character and fight. That was really good. Um, on Bentlab, I don't think he had. He's, he's not started the season that well, but yesterday I don't think he had a bad game. I don't think he had a fantastic game either. He he seemed a bit quiet, a bit um, inhibited. Um, and last season, at one point, apart from being very good, he was quite vocal. Yesterday, he just seemed to me as though I don't know he was playing in a shell. Whereas Dio is quite vocal and quite aggressive, and, and Mason's another one. Um, they're quite tenacious, those two. Yeah. And, and we need a bit of that. We need a bit of fight. We need a bit of character. Yeah, we absolutely do. Um, I still think you know, the whole captain debate isn't over and done with yet. Well, well Larice is the captain at, at, at the moment. Um, but, Bex, do you think that... Um... I don't think he's bad. I just think we need an outfield player. Mm. Yeah. And I thought... I. Dyer comes across as quite quiet, but so I don't know if he would be based on that performance yesterday, though, when he was very strong. I don't know if he if that would give him a little bit more confidence if he was given the captaincy, um, or but it has to come from someone. It has to come from somebody out on that pitch, because if the player is up the other end of the field, yeah, he can shout all he wants, but they're not going to hear him. So I was thinking we do need somebody. I don't know, Mason, potentially. I don't know. Probably not Bentonweb, I think. Mm. But I can't justify that. Toby Alderweireld? Maybe. Again, he's he looked really solid yesterday, yeah. but he doesn't strike me as being a shouter. Um... Well, I think Dyer is a shouter. I mean, when I've watched the matches, he's quite often got his arm out pointing and shouting at somebody and things like that. I can see him. As, I mean, we don't know who's going to stay, who's going to go in the future seasons. But if he stays with us for a, any length of time, I, I can actually I can see Eric Dyer as being a captain, not this season. <laughs> well, no, but I think if he if he continues in that role that he was doing yesterday, then that gives him a great exposure to see how the team play ahead of him. But it also gives him a great to see what the defence are up to as well. Yeah, um, and I think he could be really good. So that is one of those we'll suck it and see things, isn't it? It's interesting because at the start of the season, how many of us would have said you know Dyer's going to be <laughs> standout player? You know, and, and like I said, um, up until last week, I was consistently saying, well, yeah, he's, he's doing a decent job, um, but he's not a long-term solution. I'd like us to buy um, a proper midfield player. But yesterday, I was really impressed with him. Again. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it was one match, so we'll have to judge it on the course of the next few games. Uh, but it was very impressive, and, and there's no reason. Levy King mentioned. Um, I remember Marcel Desailly when he was at AC Milan. Um, he would play in central midfield for them, and then he would play at the back in France. Um, Paul McGrath going back a few years as well. So there have been players who have been equally um, 
able to play both positions. Um, right, David Pips asks, um, so we've had the Europa draw, and um, do you see us getting past the group stage? So we've got, just as a reminder, we've got Monaco, um, we've got Andlecht, and that would obviously, for older listeners, would invoke memories of 1984 and the UEFA Cup victory. Um, I was only four, so I can't remember that far (laughs) back. Um, And a team called... um, Karabakh. When, when um, I saw their name, I immediately thought of is it is it Quahog or something the the, the city in um, in uh, the thing with Peter Griffith. What's that program? Family. Family Guy. That's it. Family Guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I I was straight on Google when I saw the draw. Where the hell is that? So I know now. Um, so that's a good thing. It's at the back of beyond. Mm. It's going to be a hellish journey to get there and back. But you know. But it's only going to be one hellish journey to get the run back. Yeah. True. Um, you know, it could have been worse if we had, I don't know, a Dynamo, however, um, as well. Um, so it's only going to be one, and, and you'd like to think we'd win that game, and you'd like to think we'd win the home game. The the ones, the standout ties are going to be Andalas and Monaco. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Mo- Monaco in the Champions League last season and they did quite well. Yeah. Did um, they play, didn't they beat Arsenal? Yeah. Was Berbatov playing for them at the same time? Yep. Right. Didn't he score, actually? I believe he did. Well remembered. Um, um, yeah. Right, so, I don't know about Monaco. Are we that bothered about Anderlecht? How are they doing? No idea. Okay, that'd be all. How exciting! <laughs> we don't that's know anything about of, any of the opposition. That's the amount of research that goes <laughs> in the show. Um, well, Monaco, Monaco based. I don't, I don't know what incomings they've had this season. I haven't um, studied the draw since it came out, but um, I imagine they're a fairly decent team. Certainly were last season. And left. Don't know a great deal about. Um, let's look at it from their perspective they're looking at Tottenham Hotspur and they're probably shitting themselves at this point. <laughs> so well the Carabao th- guys are thinking great because we'll get out of whatever that is Azerbaijan um, yeah. that I can't pinpoint on a map um, and then I suspect like you Andalect fans will be thinking great you know there's some good memories there or bad depending on your point of view um, Monaco I don't think will be that keen to come back to North London I don't know I can't remember where they beat Arsenal. I can't remember whether it was home or away. Good band they were, Monaco. Never heard of them as a band. Um, they were um, guitarist Peter Hook, who who was in New Order and Joy Division. Um, he and some others, I don't know who the others were, um, they formed a ba- band in the 90s called Monaco, and their biggest hit was um, What Have You Done To Me, um, which is a very good song. Okay. Uh, that's your research. That's my research. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, that, I, th- I think, like I said, I think from their, their perspective, they'll, they'll probably be looking at, you know, Tottenham, a decent team, Premier League, yep. Ericsson, Lamella, all of these fantastic players who don't always perform. Um, I think I think we should be able to get out of the group. It's, it's two out of the group, so I would like to think that we can 
we've we've done it consistently for the past few seasons. We've managed to qualify yeah. out of the group, um, other than when ha- Harry was manager. Um, but that's because he treated the competition without with, with very little respect. So um, yeah, I'd like to think we can get out of the group. I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I didn't see the draw and think, oh my god, that's dreadful. We're never going to get out of that. Um, okay, so we've got a couple of questions which, to some degree, we've sort of addressed these to do with the transfer window. Oliver Lease asks, with just a few days left in the window, who thinks we will sign any new players and who do you think will leave? I think we'll sign a striker. I, well, we have to, surely. Um, who's, otherwise, who's going to play as a striker? F of the, F of the T lady? Um, out... Maybe Fazio, but I, I don't particularly want to see him go because he's a he's a big mountain of a guy. He's got a good attitude. He's you know okay. Our first four, our, our, our first um, the defence line of four might be when you initially think of it might be um, Walker, uh, Alderweireld, Verts, and Rose. And so we've got all these centre backs, but now that Dyer is starting to play as in, in, in the midfield a bit more. Um, he's good to have as a as in your arsenal as a, a big guy who's good at, who's good with his head, and who knows how to um, who knows how to deal with Diego Costa. Yeah, I'd I'd quite like to see Fazio stay. Um, I can see finally there might be a sign of Adebay or fucking. Oh, I forgot him. <laughs> um, and potentially um, Aaron Lennon leaving although I'm not quite sure where. And I was just thinking about it. I don't know if the Berahino thing is a smoke glass bit of headology by Levy. I don't know if they do have another plan somewhere lined up to get somebody else in. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, Addy, surely Addy's got to be... I don't know. He's got to be following the caravan trail to Upton Park. I really fucking hate um, Lennon, his days are numbered. Um, unlike both of you, I hope that we can get rid of Fazio. I'm not his biggest fan. Um, whilst I appreciate the fact that him and um, the Tongan had a good partnership last season, in so far as they played, I don't know how many, 10 or 12 games where we were unbeaten. Um, 14, I think. A, 14, okay, 14. As a player... I think there's always a mistake in him, and he doesn't. I don't like his his distribution of the ball. I think he's, he gives it away too easily. So I'd be happy if we moved him on. Um, I think that at the very last minute, the eleventh hour of that transfer window, um, the West Bromwich chairman is going to buckle down and let Berahino <laughs> go. And this is all brinkmanship. <laughs> Um, which moves us on to the next question. Kent Goodrich asks, is the Berahino stalemate West Bromwich Albion's fault or Levy's? So Levy's coming for a fair amount of sticks and why didn't he do all this earlier? And the truth is the Berahino changed his agent. So yeah. his agent didn't, his original agent, for whatever reasons he knew was outgoing, so he didn't talk then, changed his agent, and that's when they started the talks to move him out. So I don't think, you know, I'm sure people can find lots of things to blame dear Daniel for. I don't actually think this is of his making. I think this is because the player held on for something. And now West Bromwich is being twats. 
Well, it's supply and demand, isn't it? West Brom know that Tottenham want him. And is it Man United? We're also sniffing around as well. They know that he's wanted by another team. So supply and demand, if you know that somebody is desperate or wants to buy something from you, if you can, you up the price. So that's what West Brom are doing. And you can't blame them. I mean, they're they're not a big club, are they? So if they get an opportunity, then why why not try to make the most out of it? Yeah, I can see that. And actually, it's a position that Spurs have been in themselves over the last couple of years. And I get that entirely. I just think that by now, he's not... The West Brom chairman isn't winning any favours with anybody. Well, as, as I said earlier, if he doesn't go, I'd like to know where the West Brom chairman, or, or for that matter, uh, where Tony, the manager Tony Pulis thinks that Berahino is going to, how, how he's going to figure, because in, in, in their plans for, for at least from now to January, because the player's just going to be. Ron Dot. Well, and also he's bought. They've bought players in to cover for him. Yeah. yeah. Haven't they? They've got Lambert and Rondon and Rondon, somebody yeah. else, I thought. So they're not short of players, you know, should he go at the last minute. They won't be scrambling around trying to find cover for him because they already have it. Just seems a bit odd. Okay, final three questions. Oliver Leaf asks Who do you think would win in a dead sprint race, Walker, Rose, or Yedlin? Walker. I think possibly a tie between Walker and Yedlin because both of them, when they've really run their fastest, has been when they've been running back to cover. Yedlin, in the in the videos that we've seen, when he made a mistake and he had to run like hell to get back <laughs> to, to mop up that mistake. Walker, a couple of weeks, well, the first Gets game a lot of, of the season. Of when, doing that. Yeah, Walker, <laughs> Walker, the first game of the season, when he, he came back and it was just bad luck. But, that the ball went a different direction when he got back to um, take it off Rooney's foot. Um, I'd say between them two, because they've got longer legs than Rose. Yep. Danny Rose is five foot and a fag packet, isn't he, really? Bless him. Yeah. Well, Yedlin's quite small. Um, I'd go for Walker as well, I think. And I think he's he's got longer legs than Yedlin, so, um, yeah, Walker for me. However, all the weight of that ink might just slow him down a yard or two, eh? <laughs> Hey, Joe. Sorry. <laughs> right. Penultimate question. Paul Simon asks, I like this one. If a, if a time capsule was put under the centre circle of the new stadium and you could pick one thing to put in that capsule that sums up Spurs, what would you put in? A defibrillator. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, if it's in the centre circle, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's a great answer. I don't know. Because it's something around me almost. But I, um, how about a bridal bouquet? Because <laughs> we're almost. Mate. Yeah, pretty much. We're all we're almost there, but never quite. It's a really hard question, I think. Thanks, Paul. Jav? Um, I don't know. Um... <laughs> And you've had the, 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 the cockerel, the cockerel on the. Um, we won't be. Able, we won't obviously be able to fit it in, but still, I didn't, he didn't say how big the capsule is, so it could be a huge capsule. The cockerel. No, but it's something to represent spares, not actually. Yeah. So I don't think you can do that. 
present Spurs. Um, I don't know, a match program, something. Tissues for all the times you spoke crying. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going to go with that. Uh, be careful, but this is not the anyway. fighting cock. Um. <laughs> um, right, final question. Um, Kent Goodrich asks, oh <laughs> the zombie apocalypse descends on the training ground. Which Spurs players survive and who gets eaten? Well, Walker will survive because he's going to outrun them. Because we've just said about that. So that also, I think we should put Yedlin and Rose into that bracket. Fazio is not as quick as they are. So perhaps he's a good candidate for being eaten. And all our players look so slight as well at the moment. I'm not sure. I think any self-respecting zombie would say, haven't you got anything, something a little fatter? Yeah, I mean, if they, they take one look at Lamella, there's no meat there. There's nothing. Bone, so well, and no, Ericsson, no. Mason, you, if he turns sideways, he's vanished. Yeah. It depends which zombies they are as well, whether they're the Walking Dead zombies, which are quite slow, or what, what was that film with Brad Pitt um, when the zombies ran like, like Usain Bolt? <laughs> Z something, rather, was it? Not Z Nation. I can't remember, but there were hordes of zombies and they were... They were attacking um, cities all over the world. They ran, they were like your same bolt. If they, if they're the quick zombies, nobody's going to survive. If they're walking dead zombies, I I thought of um, Dembele would would if they if they arrived today, Dembele would would get eaten because he's injured. He wouldn't be able to run away. <laughs> most of the other most of the other um, players would be able to run away. Maybe Kane would be eaten because he's such a nice guy. He might try and reason with them. Well, it's not going to be... Jan's just going to stand there and tell them what he thinks of him, isn't he? With his grumpy face on. They're, they're just going to say, I can't be bothered with you, mate. He's just going to be standing there, super cool, a bit like the Halloween video a few <laughs> years yeah, ago. He's, yeah, he just won't epic. flinch. <laughs> but the main survivors, I think, would be Mason and Dyer because they're, they're aggressive and I think they could fight their way out of it. Where would Addy fit in, in, in all of this? Adebayor? Yeah. Isn't he already a zombie? That's what I was thinking. He's yeah. a squad number. Yeah. Yeah. He is a walking dead. Oh, and, and, and additional, an additional thing, I think if Loris became a zombie, he'd be more like Hannibal Lecter. He'd, he'd put himself down with a nice table cloth <laughs> table. Classy. And he'd, he'd, he'd eat people accompanied by a good Chianti. <laughs> right. On that note, I'm just... <laughs> um, obviously, we mentioned the international break next week. And um, so your next game is Sunderland, two weeks today. The next Pop Top Not for Family podcast will be two weeks tomorrow. So I'll be recording on Monday, the 14th of September, which is going to be a bit of a ball ache doing it on a school night. But um, I shall endeavour to um, see who's available that evening. And that's when the next podcast will be recorded. So it'll be out the same night as well um, once we record. Um, but without. Uh, just leaves me to say thank you um Rebecca thank you um thank you Greg oh you're welcome um we're all off to listen to what do you want from me from Monaco and find out where <laughs> Azerbaijan is on the map um the future's bright the future's lily white good night <laughs> Bloody slow, you are the first team, the last team, my dreams have ever
on onto that green. White Hart Lane has seen its pain, it's had its lows and highs. We're 14 through thick and thin and all those glory nights. And when the game is done, we'll sing a song and talk it out all night. Hey! Come on, Tottenham, stick it in the goal. Come on, Tottenham, don't be so bloody slow. You are the first team, the last team, my dreams have ever seen. Oh, we've seen them come, we've seen them go, the names up on our shirt. Gods have failed as men are hailed and faces in the dirt. Now gather round and sing it out and we'll talk out over her.